When you're going to acquire a property for land development, you really want to take a big part of it as your due diligence. So when I go in and I put a property under contract. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hey, Red Club Nation, it's Alfonso Salemi here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? What is it, do you ask? Well, it's the Right Club online community, a place where you can go to find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all the podcast episodes are there, hours of videos with a wide range of real estate investing, training and education, and so much more. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, let's get to the podcast. Right Club Nation, hello, I'm Sarah, and I'm here with Francois, my wonderful co-host. Hello, Francois, how are you? I'm excellent, and how about you, Sarah? You're not in the sun, what's happening? <laughs> I know, I know. This is my last podcast I'm doing for the next three months because uh, I don't want to be indoors when it's beautiful outside. And so I basically take uh, May 2-4 up until Labor Day off of any forced meetings. And I'll tell you, it is the best thing I've ever done. doesn't mean I'm not busy, but at least I can be busy outdoors and still get work outdoors. But podcasts, you kind of, you, you need to block yourself away from the wind a little bit. So it's hard to, uh, to record them. And so um, I'm excited, but you've got some big news. Yeah, so I'm heading to New Brunswick. So this is really exciting. I'm going to be moving out east and hopefully down south as well. So I want to kind of do like you follow the sun. So summer, I'm out east. And when it gets cold, then I head down south somewhere. So Florida, Costa Rica, I'm not sure yet, but we'll see what, how it unfolds. Congrats. I mean, that's a huge move. You're essentially leaving Ottawa. You're taking, you know, every your family with you and you are going to be living, I think, more on your terms because the, the cost of living out there is uh, a fraction of what, what it is right now. And then it'll allow you the freedom to really travel. And I know you, you've left your job earlier during COVID and you retired, but it's just that additional next step, right? To feel like you've, you've got a lot of cash now that you can also not only just invest in, but you can also enjoy life. Yes, and my wife can join me in retirement. So that's, that's the goal. So how can we afford it? Well, let's reduce our expenses. And there you go. So that's how we're doing it. And it looks like a fun place. So. Amazing. I'll have to come visit. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you'll be back. And, uh, and congrats. That's a, that's a really cool, uh, cool option for you guys to be snowbirds and enjoy, you know, the summer and the spring uh, in New Brunswick and, uh, and be able to go to, well, I don't know if it's gonna be Florida, or Costa Rica, you let us know, but very cool. Right Club community, we've got a great guest. We have Karina Guzman, who is a very, very successful developer. And, uh, and we have a, she has a really cool story. I mean, she really started from scratch. She was self taught and has been doing some amazing projects. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast today. And if you haven't yet, please leave a rating and review. And uh, until uh, very shortly, guys, we'll be right back. Hello, everybody. I'm really excited today to be joined by Sarah Larby, one of the co-founders of The Right Club, and one of my friends, Karina Guzman. So I hope you consider me a friend, but welcome, Karina. Thank you, Francois. Thanks for having me, guys. That's a pleasure. Would you like to give us and our listeners like a 30,000 foot view of your background and how you got involved in real estate investing and, and some fancy land deals and all kinds of things? So. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I started as a buy and hold kind of investor back in 2009. And uh, I wanted to level up in my real estate investment at some point um, after we got a few properties. And I started uh, basically learning about zoning and severance and things that I had never heard of before because I had attended so many events and nobody ever talked about land development. And um, at the time in Ottawa, for anybody who lives here or knows about it, uh, the city was talking a lot about the light rail train system, the LRT, and a lot of investment going on in there. And there's a lot of talk about land values and how they're going to change in the areas that are closest to transit. And so I just began to digest as much of this information on my own. I decided to have our second child on purpose so that I could take my mat leave to spend like time doing this thing, which is kind of crazy when I think about it right now, but it worked. <laughs> and then I told my husband, I'm gonna use this one year to figure out what to do in real estate and make this my full-time job. And I did, and I quit my day job. Um, that was, I guess, about three, four years ago now. And uh, I've been doing it ever since. And my projects have been getting a little bit larger, a little larger and larger. <laughs> Very cool. I mean, that's obviously, uh, you know, not for the faint of heart to, to go right into development. I mean, there's definitely a lot of, of profits that can be made, but the mistakes are much deeper and, uh, and much more expensive. So let's just fast forward a little bit. I'm just curious to see, you know, if you're able to share the type of deals that, you're, that you've been doing and what you're currently working now in terms of uh, what you're developing. Yeah, and you're so right, Sarah. Like, this is what I tell a lot of people because I get a lot of people asking me, I want to get into land development because it's, it is niche in a, in a sense. It's a different strategy in real estate. But you're right. It's not for the beginners, I got to say. And it's, you got to start small and you got to take, it's, it's a riskier endeavor. So you really have to take a calculated risk when you do it because there's a lot of capital that goes in the front end and you really only get your payout at the end. So it's very different than a buy and hold where maybe you can cash a little bit every month. And if you have many, it can supplement your income, but, but you're right. And so the way I started was very, very small. It's just, I've, after researching, I realized there's this one piece of lot closer to the 100 meters like walking distance to the train station it was a large oversized lot with a little bungalow on it and i used that as my guinea pig kind of project this was back in 2005 i think it was and that's how i created um architecture some engineering i did the soil analysis i went to speak with the city i asked questions i went to meet with planners and i used this as my catalyst to teach myself essentially. Not that I'm saying that it's good for you to teach yourself. There's definitely a lot of people and coaches and, and other things. Me, I'm just, I guess I'm a little bit of a high tolerance risk kind of person. And I throw myself into a lot of things I don't know. Not to say that that's good for everybody, but, but if you have that personality, maybe you can, like, like I did. It's not impossible. And then through that project, we started small, that was a 12 plex, small, <laughs> but in the sense that I created the vision, I created the plans, but I sold it. I sold it when I got the permits to somebody who would construct it because that construction in itself is a whole other risk that I did not want to take, at least not at the time. 
And then I realized this is a strategy that I could do over and over again. I could buy a piece of land, create the vision, have my architects, engineers, and everybody put the package together, go through the approvals, and then sell it for profit. And that's kind of, that was my aha moment. And that's what I did over and over again. Six plexes, 12 plexes, eight plexes. I also severed land. So I took a big piece of land and severed it into three. And all I did was put concepts together. Like this is the singles that you could build. It was three singles. And we sold that to a developer too, who was like, I have clients who want to build singles. I'll buy the three lots from you. We did that back in 2006. I've also done it for other clients. So there's clients that hire me to do all the work for them. Like a, there was one client that he wanted to do a 14 story with commercial in the bottom. He's a very busy guy. He's got the money, he's got the land, but not necessarily the know-how of how to do it, nor does he want to do it. So people hire me for their, my development management service to do that. And I have my team that helps me out to do that. And then I do my own projects too. Like I said, it's mostly transit oriented. They're usually around walking distance to the transit, but they're, like I'm working on one right now. It's a 45 unit, six story building, and it's purely residential. And because it's transit, the city is super supportive of it, which makes it easier and less risk for me and everybody else involved because the city has already delineated these areas to go up in density. So it's a good gamble in a sense. Absolutely. And this reminds me, you were on a Ride Club Ottawa, Eastern Ontario event a while ago, and you mentioned, so this is all about relationships. And you just mentioned it as well. The city is supportive of certain types of projects. So for those that are interested, you don't go against the grain. You go kind of with the flow. And that's what Karina here. I don't know if you have other tips like on how to, to continue with that and be You're more. You're so successful. right. And like a lot of the, um, the people always ask me like, where should I invest? What area should I focus on? How do you find your deals in Ottawa? And I think in a lot of, cities that are growing, they have official plans. Every single city has a plan in place. And a lot of these plans have what I call treasure maps. They're literally maps of these areas and they delineate the areas that are meant for intensification. And like you said, Francois, it's a, it's a lower risk in the sense of land development. I'm not pushing the grain. I'm not pushing the boundary because I'm staying within what the city has already delineated in the official plan. In Ottawa, for example, we're going through a brand new official plan right now. And it's like an exciting time for me because they're bringing in brand new bylaws that we never had before. They're really, the city in itself is pushing the boundary to get this all intensification happening quicker. So they're creating new processes to make the process faster. So it's a great time, but if, like you said, it is not pushing the grain because it's a way to follow what the city wants by following the official plant or the secondary plants, and then also making it less risk for you because they're already supportive of it anyways. So those are the types of projects that I deal with and I put myself into or our investors into. I know there's a lot of developers that buy on speculation and they try to push the boundaries it works out most of the time sometimes it doesn't but it is a higher risk if you're going to do that so it, it seems really interesting so you're basically taking a piece of land you're either 
you know, repurposing it, making it its, its best use possible for a builder to say, this is, you know, worth way more because you've spent the time, you spent the money uh, to get it ready so that somebody can essentially take it and, and start building. What are, you know, what are some of the steps? Because I, I know this is not really a, a topic that we often talk about, right? I mean, the burrs, there's steps, the, the buy and hold, there's steps. Um, and, and there's steps to development, you know, from, from the acquisitions to, you know, like, I, I think you talked about the soil testing and, and just different things like that. Um, are you able to share just an overview of the things that you do um, if you had to summarize each step? Sure, yeah. So when you're going to acquire a property for land development, um, you really want to take a big, a big part of it is your due diligence. So when I go in and I put a property under contract, I literally go in, if I believe that it's a, a very good prospect for me to do a development on it, I put it on the contract right away, meaning like I put an offer into the seller and the reason for that is because I spent a lot of my due diligence time and effort into figuring out next, like, is it going to be something that I'm going to move forward with or not? And if I'm going to spend all that time to do that, I don't want somebody else snapping the, pro the, the property, you know, at the same time. So if I have it under contract, um, the due diligence part, I got to say, is probably the 95% of the work that you have to do upfront and the due diligence means creating the concept figuring out what is the highest and best use for that property creating the concept based on that pre-consulting with the city so having a pre-consultation meeting to to submit your proposal and present it to them they come back with a lot of feedback and letting you know what it is or the studies that are going to be required for you in order to obtain the approval for that specific proposal a lot of times in the due diligence, we're doing our ESA, so environmental site assessments. Phase one, if it's a commercial property, which most of our, uh, our is, is phase two environmental, uh, which means drilling into the ground to assess the soil. You definitely want to uh, check for any contaminations and things like that. You want a geotechnical report. The geotechnical will mean that you have to know the stability of the soil. Um, so all of those studies actually get done during the due diligence process. Because if you do an environmental, for example, and it comes back as contaminated land, well, you're going to have to bring those costs up, right? So your project is going to be more expensive, or it may not even make it sense to do it at that point, depending on how much contamination it is. So this is all part of the due diligence. But like I said, land development requires a lot of capital upfront. And yes, a lot of people ask me, so you do all of these reports, you pay the money to do it, and you might not even move forward with the project. Yes, we do. We spend, we could spend $50,000 just doing these reports, depending on the size of the project. But you could spend $50,000 doing these reports and decide that, you know what, it's just not beneficial for us to move forward. It's just kind of a part of doing the business. And like you said, uh, Sarah, it's not for the faint of heart. I totally get it. But it's so important to do this because otherwise you could get yourself into a lot of, lot of issues down the road. So due diligence is a big process. 
once we know that the land is for sure like something that we want to move forward with then we negotiate right like we have the property a lot of times we'll say well maybe we want to renegotiate because we found something on the land which happens all the time but then you lock it down you buy it and then you move forward with our phased approach most of the time my land development um, projects are phased meaning that i do uh, like a zoning first zoning amendment if i have to and then i do the site plan i know a lot of people say why would you do a zoning amendment and a site plan separately because there's a lot of risk there is a ton of risk and it allows me to exit at any point. So I could essentially change the zoning, raise the value of that property because I've upzoned it, and I could now sell it for a profit at that point in time, or I can proceed to phase two, which would be the full site plan, the entire report, everything that has to happen to get the approval, and now I can exit at that point too. So there's many options available. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation. We want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce you to a longtime supporter of the Right Club and many members of the Right Club Nation, Mr. Dylan Suter of Elevation Realty. Dylan, take it away. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We, as Elevation Realty, are the sponsor for the real estate slot at the Right Club, and we have been attending since the second Right Club. We are an investment-focused, high-volume real estate team serving the Golden Horseshoe from Oakville down to Niagara. If you are looking to increase your cash flows or you want to find an incredible opportunity, we deal with builders, we deal with off-market opportunities, as well as we are very creative and negotiate the best deal for even on-market opportunities. We've helped a number of clients with the right club, find flips, single-family rentals, duplex conversions, three- and four-unit renovations, all the way up to large residential buildings with high cash flow. A little bit about myself, if you haven't heard, personally, I've scaled over 300 doors in the last two years, which has given me a ton of experience in, in analyzing all the deals that may come across my desk for you. So if you're interested in learning more, please reach out to us at 905-592-4220, or you can email us at admin at elevationrealty.ca, that is admin at E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, and let's sit down and create your investment dream portfolio. Guys, and I have to say, I stand behind Elevation and Dylan. They found me. My last few properties have done an amazing job. 100% recommend them. So thank you for all your hard work. Now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. Can you share timelines with each of these steps? So, you know, when you're doing your due diligence, roughly on average, like what's the contract that you've got it, uh, you know, under, under contract for yeah. and then zoning and all that good stuff? For sure. So commercial is very different than residential. A lot of ours are commercial property. And so with commercial, it is very, very common to ask for four, five, six months of due diligence period or conditional period. So most of the time we're getting a roughly around that four to six months just to complete it. And it makes sense because these reports take time, you know, so like a geotechnical or an environmental, they literally have to drill into the ground um, a few feet down, and then they have to send the soil to, to um, the science lab to get, um, to get it analyzed, and then the report has to come back. So those things take time. It's not something that is very quick. Even sometimes the surveyor could take four weeks just to get out there. 
So it is very, very common. Um, also in the development world, because everybody knows these things, these reports take time. I, I don't really get a lot of backlash on asking for four to six months conditional period. Um, so that's usually around that conditional period. For zoning amendments, we're looking at probably anywhere between six to eight months. With COVID, I had one of my projects delayed 12 months, like, like in total taking me 12 months. Um, I lost four, four months because the city closed. So that was something totally unexpected. But luckily, um, all of our properties have like a, an actual asset, like a property on it. They're fully tenanted. They carry themselves. So it's, it wasn't a really big deal for us to carry it. Um, but you're looking about six to eight months for zoning and probably about 60 to $70,000 for the zoning component of it. When you move to the next phase, which is site plan, it's another six to eight months because um, both the zoning amendment and the site plan is a hearing process. So when you submit, you guys might see those big signs at the front of the lots. And it basically says the proponent or the applicant is proposing to build this and such and such. It's open for the neighborhood and for the community to contest it or to support it as well. So there is that hearing period that has to happen in order for, for that approval to happen. So you're looking at another six to eight months for a site plan and you're looking about the same. You're looking anywhere between 60 to $100,000 to submit for a site plan. So you can see, you know, our due, our due diligence, you know, we're looking at 30, 40, 50, uh, zoning amendment, you're looking at another 70, 60, $70,000. Site plan, you're looking at another 60 to $100,000. So again, wow. not for the faint of heart, but the outcome is completely different. Yeah, it's a lot of, lot of money upfront and a lot of time as well. So how do you finance these deals? Like I, I'm sure you're very wealthy, but <laughs> what's the plan behind it? How do you support like all these? Well, you know what, Francois, like at the beginning, I, my husband and I were funding all of this ourselves. But again, we were doing six plaques, eight plaques, 12 plaques, smaller type of development. Then we moved actually with COVID, funny enough, we moved into like super high gear and COVID has actually been like the most busiest time for us. Surprisingly, I don't even know because deals came up that people were just not looking at it uh, or maybe because I'm looking at it in a development eye and other people would see it as this is an ugly crappy triplex. Why would I buy this thing? And for me, I'm like, oh my God, it's like 300 meters from the station. This is amazing. This is a gold mine. So, but because the projects got bigger, I started uh, working with investors and this was only back in 2020 when COVID hit and we started essentially working with some investors. So we do um, what, they, what the, our accounting calls uh, debt investment, meaning that we use our investors money to, to finance the debt, basically to do all this work, to acquire the property, to do all the reports. So, um, yeah, we give all of our investors um, positions on our properties. We buy, we pull all their money to buy the assets. So they're essentially our bank. And then for the soft costs, um, either my husband and I will fund that ourselves or we use other investors to fund it and we give them a percentage. 
um, in return for their investments. It's a very, mm -hmm. I'm very simple, very simplistic. Here's your money, here's your investment, and this is what it's going for. And I, and I talk to my investors all the time on a monthly basis so they know what is happening with the project. Because the one thing with land development I can't walk them through anything, you know, like people can do like flips or birds and you can walk your investors and they can see it. And so upfront, I'm like, there's nothing I can show you. I can show you like my, per my permit package. I can show you my architecture, but I really involve them in the sense that I tell them this is what we're doing or this is some hiccups or this is some changes and all that. So they feel like they're part of the process in a, in a way and they're knowledgeable about what's happening. But again, like I always tell them, if you drive by, you're not going to see anything because nothing has changed. <laughs> so yeah. that's how we do it. Absolutely. I mean, it's all it's all essentially on paper and 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 yes. the approvals and then the city going back and forth. I mean, it, it is really interesting. I, I'm just curious, like what what type of structure you've got set up for the investors to pull their money? Like, you know, how how is that set up on your end? So I work with a broker who has a security license. So again, this is all done legally with lawyers and he's amazing because what he helps me do is essentially he's got the infrastructure to accept all the money in like large pools with the, with the, through the lawyer. And then uh, we use that money and they're all in first position, right? He puts them all into first position because they're essentially our bank and then the funds get used to acquire the property. And because he's got his security license and he's a broker, he also has all of the administration to help with the um, electronic transfer of funds, meaning that our investors get paid every single month or they get a balloon payment, let's say at the end, it's all done digitally. I don't have to send e-transfers to anybody or a check. It's all done through a broker's administrative support that he has. So our investor, what I love about it is that one, he, he basically syndicates the mortgage for us so that we can use the funds, but two, he makes it seamless. Like it's our investors get paid their money every single month in their checking account or into their RSP account. It's all done automatically for me. And we just, we just do it that way. And then at the end of the year, we um, submit them their, their financial record, right? So what they've been paid every single month so that then they can have their own accountant do their accounting for them based on that. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Building Stack. Building Stack is a software and a platform that helps make our lives so much easier as real estate investors and landlords. And Building Stack actually helps us from anything from collecting rent, finding tenants, filling vacancies, communicating to our staff and our tenants, and anything from even signing documents and leases online. There's so much more as well. And they're a great solution for any portfolio size. I mean, even if you have like one or two properties or hundreds of properties, there is going to be an opportunity for you to utilize this to make your lives so much easier. And as you know, I say work on the business, not in the business. And this is a great software to be able to do that and manage your portfolio as efficiently as possible. So visit buildingstack.com or email sales at buildingstack.com. And also make sure to mention the right club because there is a great promo and a discount that you get for that. So again, buildingstack.com and mention the promo code, the right club. And now back to the show. Oh, that's excellent. I was very curious about that because I mean, 
with these numbers, e-transfers with the $3,000 daily limit. Good luck. <laughs> it's going to be long. What a mess. <laughs> yes. So really interesting stuff. So that's great. Could you walk us through kind of a typical deal? I'm sure there's, I know there's a lot of variety, but there's probably one that's like easier, let's say. <laughs> Yeah. Your, bread and, your bread and butter deal, like yeah. what you're looking for and, and what you love to buy, that kind of stuff. I think that's what you're saying, right, Francois? Exactly. Sure, yeah. So my bread and butter deal is transit-oriented. I love it, again, because it's a lower risk. So I'm always looking for um, deals that are closer to transit, and I find them essentially a lot through word of mouth. I, I guess because a lot of people know what it is that I do at this point. So they send me, I have a lot of um, realtor friends who send me stuff literally all, all week. I'm getting stuff. I also do my own research and I also used to love, love, love the live events because that's where I would go and like just meet people and talk to people and tell them what I do. And a lot of times I used to get deals just from conversations that I used to have with people. So I miss that. But yeah, that is my bread and butter is the, the transit oriented. I am getting into plan of subdivision. It has been my dream to move into an entire subdivision. So I'm working right now on a deal. I can't really talk about it too, too much because it's not under contract yet. And I don't know if it's gonna go through, but essentially that's my next big step is moving into plan of subdivision. If nobody, if, if people don't know what a plan of subdivision is, it's essentially like your rural develop, your typical rural development that we might all know, like Canada, you know, where you have a bunch of lots and the roads have been created, infrastructure has been created and the developer or the builder is selling lots or they build it themselves or have, um, they sell some and keep some or build some, you know, so, so those sort of things. That's my next step, hoping to move into that by the end of July and get it locked in. But essentially my bread and butter since 2005 has been purely transit oriented and those are i love those <laughs> very cool well, by the time that this airs you'll uh you'll likely have either made a decision or not on it so you're, you're good you're good um yeah. that's that's really exciting just out of curiosity because there's a ton of information out there for new investors this is not really a new investor type of strategy you know where can people access information on this strategy that's such a really good question, Sarah, because I get this question all the time. And I honestly have not really found a lot. Um, like, again, I am self-taught and um, I do teach other people to do it. I coach this also to do that. Um, but in terms of like books, there is not really one book or one Bible that you can go into and say, this is land development. There are some um, online courses that you can take that a lot of the um, like Athabasca College has that um, and they offer them. I think Algonquin College also offers a land development um, semester that you can go and take. So certainly there are universities and colleges that offer these, um, these courses, a semester or two semesters. Um, definitely look into that. And a lot of them are now online because of COVID, which is great for a lot of people. So I definitely think there is no one book, unfortunately, but there are more higher level of education that people can look into should they want, 
or to hire like a coach, somebody like me who can teach them, uh, literally hold their hand and we can do one together. But that's the only avenues that I know of today. Yeah. I mean, I think for something like this, it's important not to try to just, you know, figure it out on your own because the mistakes are very, very costly. It's not like a typical buy and hold. So, you know, definitely do your due diligence and and find somebody that's done it before and and lean on them, however that is, right? If it's hiring a coach or, you know, having them handhold you through a deal that maybe you guys are partnering on or something along those lines, you don't want to be making mistakes in this type of deal and this caliber of deal because it could bankrupt somebody very quickly. Absolutely. You're absolutely right there, Sarah, because you're right. It's, it is a high uh, risk and it's a lot of capital and just like any strategy, really, even if you're burning, you want to have a coach. You want to have somebody like Sarah, like Francois, to, to teach really like you could learn so much and reduce your risk so much by doing it with somebody who's done it before. And so that's where a lot of my clients come in is, is those type of people that want to learn and eventually become land developers themselves, but want to de-risk as much as possible for the first one. I think that's the, one of the best ways to do it for sure. Very cool. Very cool. So Karina, the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So Francois and I will ask you four questions. Everybody gets the same four. You're going to give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Sure. Yes. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 m and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right. So Karina, question number one, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Fail. Fail. (laughs) Fail as much as you can. I know it's tough, but that's, that's how we learn. We learn more through failing. Not to say always fail, learn from your failures, but fail and don't be afraid to fail. It's okay to fail. Yeah, so then you don't get stuck in analysis paralysis because you, you yeah. figure it out, <laughs> the parachute, you find it somewhere. <laughs> and that's where people get stuck. A lot of people don't move on things because they're just so afraid to fail. But in reality, when you fail, it's not a failure because you've learned, you've gained from that and you gain confidence through that and so that confidence then pushes you to go on to something else bigger and better so it's it's worthwhile to fail i always say great advice <laughs> our next question is what is your favorite re- resource for real estate investing a book a website a webinar i listen to like so many podcasts like the rate club i listen to um a lot of um mindset kind of podcast as well so um quote of the day i don't know if you guys have ever heard of it it's podcast he's amazing the guy that runs the podcast and it is really a lot of mindset because again in in land development it is very um i guess in a sense it is lonely because there's just not a lot of people that do it it's a very high risk and it can feel very scary to do it. So your mindset has to be just really, really strong. 
And there are days when I feel like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Is this over my head? Am I taking too much risk? Am I, you know, like it's just, it's a fearful. But then at the same time, I realize if I'm scared, it's because I'm really pushing myself. And it's a good thing to push yourself. So I always say, educate yourself. Like Erwin Cito has an amazing podcast. The Right Club has an amazing podcast. You learn so much from the guests. But also, I follow a lot of mindsets kind of coaches, and I listen to them every single morning when I'm getting ready, because it's part of like my ritual and getting my mindset going. So it really helps me a lot. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's important to start the day off right. And it sounds like you've got, uh, you've got some, some great things that you do in the morning to uh, continue with the day and make sure that it's successful. That's awesome. Like working out. <laughs> awesome. I wake up at 5.30 in the morning to work out. Very Every nice. day. Good. Yeah. I feel good about it. You know, yeah. It, it, clears, it clears your mind, makes, it makes you be able to focus more on everything else, getting that out of the way in the morning. That's what I find anyways. Yep. Totally. Awesome. So question number three, Karina, what is the one attribute in your opinion that has made you most successful? Honestly, I think it's being myself. <laughs> when I started in land development, I was literally the only girl in like a lot of the in, in a lot of the meetings that I would go, I would go meet landowners or other land developers. I was the only girl, and on top of that, I was bringing my baby with me um, in carriage to these meetings. And I would always joke, I'm like, he's like a businessman in training, you know. But like nobody said anything about it. Everybody was so respectful all the time. So. At the, at the beginning, I felt out of place because I'm a woman getting into land development and I was brand new. So I would feel kind of like scared a little bit because I'm like, you know, it's obvious that I'm new at this and I'm a woman. So I really, I'm not in place here. And I had, to be honest, other land developers that would be like, you're too new for me. You know, like it just... You know, I had even coaches that I had approached and they're like, you're too new. You have to be more, which is probably why I self-taught myself to do all of it. Now that I think about it. But yeah, I think it's, it's a lot about just at some point I just realized I need to be myself and show people my passion because I do have a passion for it. And that energy, when I talk about what it is that I do, I think it translates to people so much better. They almost feel it. And when I'm able to explain my vision and my passion and they see the work that I put into it, it becomes almost like a no brainer and people just connect with that. I've had so many women, even especially women that are just like, you're doing this. I want to do what you do. And I think it should be something that not just men can do. There's a lot of women that can do it. There's no reason why there can't be more women into it. And that's how I decided to make it more mainstream. Like I wanted to be land development, wanted to be more mainstream and something that's more spoken about in uh, real estate investments, clubs and podcasts like this one, because it's important. I think it is a strategy that people can get into and, and work into. There's no reason why you can't, you can't do that. But just being yourself, being myself is really, honestly, Sarah, what has gotten me to where I have gotten. And I think it's, it's sped it up somehow, just being me. That's, That's it. amazing. With the baby and toe as well, it's crazy. I love it. No. It's so true, though. Let your personality shine and that's it. 
Uh, so our next question is, what do you typically do on a Sunday morning? Oh my gosh, I work out. So I still get up at 5.30 in the morning and I work out. Um, my favorite thing is getting up before everybody else gets up, except my husband, because he wakes up really early with me. But when the kids are asleep and I can have my coffee and I go outside, get some fresh air, um, I meditate. So after my workouts, I meditate 15, 20 minutes. And then of course I have my podcast. So that, that mindset podcast that I was mentioning before, I always have that running in the mornings while I'm getting ready and doing stuff. So my, my uh, routine is pretty much the same every single day. I'm pretty consistent in that sense because it gets me to where I want to be really like if I don't do my routine, I don't feel the same during the day. And to be honest too, um, you guys will probably know this as business owners, I'm working still on a Sunday. Like I'm working all the time. It could be daytime. It could be evening, it could be weekends. So for me, it doesn't matter that it's Sunday. It's still the same day for me. <laughs> a lot of times I think Francois was talking to you and I'm like, what day is it today? Because I don't know. <laughs> Just, every day is the same. Yeah, that, that's part of being an entrepreneur and, and a successful one, right? I mean, and I think it sounds like you still, regardless though, even though you work hard, you also have a good you know, life balance and it sounds like you're, you're taking care of your wellness and, and your health, which is also very important. So important. I always tell people sleep. You know, I, I listen to a lot of these podcasts, like I said, and I know a lot of these guys say, you know, work hard, hustle, um, you know, you're not going to sleep and do that. But I'm not a big proponent of that because- I feel like if you do not sleep, you're not really going to be good for anything. I know me, if I don't sleep, I'm cranky. Like I, I can't focus. I need my sleep. So I, I just, I think you should eat well, take care of your body, take care of your mind, sleep. If you're tired, go to bed, you know, like these are the things that you need to take care of because if you are sick and I was sick two weeks ago, like I mentioned, I had pneumonia and I couldn't even get out of bed and you realize like, oh my goodness. If you're sick, nothing else matters. There's nothing else that you can do. So I'm very big on that. Take care of yourselves, please. Yeah. No, I, absolutely. I mean, if you don't have your health, who cares about everything else that you have, right? Because you're not going to be able to enjoy it if, if you're not there to, you know, be yeah. there. So. And even if you're a mom or you're not a mom, it doesn't matter. You, people are still relying on you, right? Your partner relies on you. Your family relies on you. It's so important to do that, whether you're a mom or you're not a mom. Yeah, absolutely. Karina, that was awesome. Where can our Right Club Nation reach out and find out more? Sure. Um, you can always find me on Instagram, Creative Dev Ventures, D-E-D, Ventures. Um, I'm also on Facebook, same uh, name. And I'm also launching my website as well as creativedevventures.ca. It'll be out probably by the time this podcast comes out. That's exciting. Congrats. Thank you. It's been awesome. a pleasure. Do you have any final word of advice or final part? Yeah, um, I love to um, help others. I like to provide a lot of value wherever I can. So feel free to reach out to me at any point in time. Um, should you have any questions? Should you need some support? Um, maybe you want to take a look at a, a piece of land. I know that when I started, there was not a lot of people that helped me out. So I just I'm really big on helping others. And a lot of people ask me, well, what do you want to get out of it? What I want to get out of it is to make it more mainstream and to make it something that more and more people do 
whether you're a man or a woman, whatever, doesn't matter to me, but I, I just, I'm here for you guys. If you guys ever need any support or some help or how to begin or have a question, feel free to reach out anytime. Amazing. Karina, you are so inspirational. Congratulations on everything. And thank you for sharing so much valuable information with our community. Thank you, thank you so much guys for having me. This was fun. It was awesome. Well, Francois, that was awesome. What key takeaways did you, uh, did you take from today's conversation? So I love Karina, what she said, to be fearless. <laughs> so to fail and uh, this is going to sound bad, but being like a woman with a baby on sites, like take risks. So whatever, like be yourself, take some risks and it's incredible what you can achieve. Calculated risks, of course, like she said, get a mentor, get someone to help you out. But uh, it's so inspirational and the whole mindset again, but in a different way. So a positive mindset on how to not worry about all that money you're borrowing and all that stuff. So it's, it's just excellent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great to see the progression of how, you know, how she started with smaller builds and now she's expanding and, and now her next goal is to do a whole subdivision. Um, that is really awesome. And it's just great also that she's willing to share back and, and be a mentor, a coach to others, because I'll tell you, there's not many people that play in this sandbox and there's even less of them that are willing to coach and mentor people that are just starting out. Uh, so I think that is awesome that she's, uh, she's willing to do that and she's able to do that. And uh, to me, I mean, you know, the money that you, we spend on coaching, if it's going to avoid, uh, you know, in this case, probably thousands of thousands of thousands of dollar mistake, uh, it's well worth it at the end. So uh, awesome, Francois, go enjoy the rest of your day. Congratulations on the move. Uh, right Club community, come grow with us. And don't forget, you got to live your dream. Until next time. See you soon. Come grow with us. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.